0: You know, you you may not be like my Russian friend and having to deal with death threats and neglect and rejection, but, but it's possible that there has been a time, either now or recently, where you have felt like no one understands me. No one really ever listens to me. I, I don't just don't think people get it, what I'm going through. And, and because of that, you feel a sense of neglect and you feel a sense of... Isolation, And what I want to share with you today from Genesis 29 and 30 is simply this. That we must believe that God will meet us in our trials. And that he will show us his covenant love. We'll say that again. We must believe that God will meet us in our trials. And he will show us our covenant love. By the way, friends, as I'm beginning, if you haven't received the elements Uh, here on the tables for the Lord's Supper later. Just feel free at any point in time, come on to grab them. We'll be having the Lord's Supper right after. I want to show you from the story of of Leah and Rachel, which comes to us as like the classic family feud. This is the soap opera of the book of Genesis. But I I want us not to focus necessarily on these two women or even their husband. I want us to focus on God. I want to tell you some truths about God. The first being that our God, he sees our difficulties and our God hears our sorrows. Our God is the God who sees and our God is the God who hears. So if you recall from our last time in Genesis, it was time for Jacob to find a wife And Isaac said, I need you to go and find a wife from the same family that I found your mother, Rebekah. And so you gotta travel eastward to the house of Laban, which was Rebekah's brother. And there, I want you to seek a wife for yourself from our people. And and Jacob set uh, away on his journey by himself. And there, if you remember, he had this glorious vision of this stairway ascending down from heaven to earth. And Jacob there, he believed in God and God, He granted him the the covenant promises that he had granted to his father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham. And so Jacob, he makes his journey uh, all the way to the area where uh, Laban lived and and he found himself at a well, uh, very similar to the place where Abraham's servant was sent, if you recall, to find Rebekah, And there at the well, uh, Jacob he uh, saw some shepherds there and he was just sort of asking them what's going on and these were some lazy shepherds because rather than having their sheep out pasturing in the middle of the day they were chilling out by the well waiting for some other shepherds to come and eventually there's this huge stone that they'd roll away and let the sheep come and water and Jacob says what's going on he goes ah oh, we're just hanging out here waiting for some more sheep and And he says, hey, by the way, you don't happen to know a guy named Laban, do you? And they're like, oh yeah, we know Laban. As a matter of fact, that's his daughter, Rachel, because she is a shepherdess and she is coming over to water her sheep. And so let me pick up in verse nine of chapter 29. While he was still speaking with them, Rachel came up with her father's sheep for she was a shepherdess. And as soon as Jacob saw his uncle laban's daughter rachel with the sheep he went up and rolled the stone away from the opening and he watered his uncle laban's sheep then jacob kissed rachel and wept loudly and he told rachel that he was her father's relative uh rebecca's son that was her aunt and then she ran and to tell her father everything that had just happened and so laban he, uh, he hears about this and he comes out. He must have been thinking about, man, this just happened not too long ago with my sister Rebecca. And so he comes out and he meets Jacob and he hears the story and he says, you are surely my flesh and blood. And, and he brought her into the home and, and celebrated uh, the fact that Jacob was there. Now, if you remember the other story that Abraham's servant had come with camels and, and a ton of wealth and he just poured over on Laban and uh, Rebecca's dad all this money and all this wealth, to which Laban, who was accustomed to this, I mean, he really was a materialistic fella. So Jacob shows up and he's got nothing. He's got no money to give. He's got no dowry to purchase, Rachel. And so he simply says, I'm going to work for you. So he rolls up his sleeve because Jacob was a... Great shepherd. I mean, he just really was gifted as a shepherd. And he starts working for Laban. And after about a month of work, finally Laban says, "Okay, Jacob, why are you here? Let's talk business." And um, and they start to talk about the reason for Jacob coming and what he desired. Now you got to remember something about Laban and Jacob. They're both sinister. Like they are both connivers. If you recall the deception that Jacob gave towards his brother Esau and the conflict that they had that caused in the home, you have to understand that now Jacob had met uncle Laban who was just as much conniving as he was. And so it's like, okay, they're starting to talk business and who's gonna get the better of the deal here. And so now let's pick up in verse 16 of chapter 19. Jacob's gonna get down to business. Laban had two daughters. The older's name was Leah and the younger was named Rachel. And Leah had tender eyes. Your Bible translation might say that she had weak eyes. Uh, She was tender eyed, but Rachel was shapely and beautiful. And Jacob loved Rachel. So he answered Laban and said, I'm going to work for you for seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. And Laban said, "Okay, better that I give her to you than than some other man. So you stay with me. And so Jacob worked seven years for Rachel. And as Moses records this, he says it seemed only like a few days to him because of his great love for her. And so now we we find something significant about these two sisters, the older Leah, tender-eyed, not as physically attractive, and Rachel, whom Jacob was immediately infatuated over, And so he bargains with the uncle, he says, okay, I'll work for you for seven years. Now, typically uh, that type of dowry would, would have been unheard of, maybe two or three years, four at the absolute most, but no, seven long years. He was willing to work for his uncle Laban. And of course Laban's a businessman. He goes, man, that's a great deal for me. And so he agreed absolutely. And Moses says, well, it was basically about a few days because of Jacob's infatuation. Now we pick up when the seven years are complete around verse 21, and it's time for Jacob then to say, pay up uncle Laban. Since my time is complete, give me my wife. He didn't mix any words. He says, so I can sleep with her. And so Laban decides to throw a big party and uh, typically these wedding parties might last anywhere from a day to two or three days. And um, during the festivities of a Jewish wedding, at some point in time, as the wedding guests are celebrating the wedding, uh, groom would go into the bedroom chamber where the bride would be and they would consummate their wedding together and so sure enough Jacob goes into the bedroom chamber and it's dark and there's a woman there veiled and he consummates his marriage with the woman and when he wakes up the next day he realizes it ain't Rachel He had just slept with Leah. To which he was absolutely disturbed by this deception. And he then cries out to Laban, what have you done? Now verse 25 of chapter 29. The morning came, (laughs) there was Leah. And so he says to Laban, what have you done to me? Wasn't it for Rachel that I worked for you? Why have you deceived me? In other words, why did you do to me what I've been doing to my brother, my older brother, my whole life? The deceiver has been deceived, right? Laban has just out Jacobed Jacob. And so Laban, he's, he's crafty. He says, oh, I, we, didn't we talk about this? You see, our custom doesn't allow this. I have to marry off my first, my oldest daughter before I can do the younger one. So this is just part of our tradition. But I'll tell you this, let's consider this just an elongated wedding celebration. And you work for me another seven years, then we'll just call it just a part of the wedding. And, And after you complete this week of wedding celebration, I'm in verse 27, Then we will also give you this younger one in return for working yet another seven years and Jacob did just that. He finished the week of celebration. Laban gave him his daughter Rachel as his wife and and Laban also gave his slave Bilhah to which he had also given to Jacob Zilpah who was Leah's servant. And verse 30, And Jacob slept with Rachel also. And indeed, Moses records, he loved Rachel more than Leah. And so another seven years of labor was spent. And what I, I want to suggest something to you now. And I want to, I want to suggest that you consider Leah in this moment. Because maybe unlike if you've heard this story in the past and maybe this story has been phrased to you as this incredibly romantic love between Jacob and Rachel and and how God just blessed them because Jacob was willing to work so long and so hard for this woman that... that that he loves so very much. And, And this is one of the beautiful love stories in the Bible, full of romance and drama. I actually don't think that is at all why this story is in the Bible. As a matter of fact, I think that the main character in these two chapters is a woman named Leah. And I'm going to hopefully show you that here in just a minute. Not that Leah was perfect by any means but friends I gotta be honest with you if you read the text clearly Rachel was nowhere near perfect as a matter of fact she struggled incredibly with anger and envy thievery deceit And, and, and more than that though what I want you to see because I don't ever want us to read the Bible and focus on people I want us to read the Bible and focus on what God is doing so now just consider this, just for a minute. Leah, forced into deception by her dad, now married to a man who doesn't love her. And for seven years, she knew that. And now here, Jacob's working for the younger sister. All the while, she's married. She has a husband who doesn't love her. What was that like? What was that like? And then finally, he's worked another seven years and now he gets Rachel and now they are together and night after night after night. And she is neglected and she is rejected and she is not loved. What would that be like for that woman? Experiencing ridicule being forgotten, being trapped in difficult circumstances, and yet God, he had a plan. It reminds me of something that happened later. 1 Samuel 16, when King Saul finally had just gone too far and God says, I'm gonna rip the kingdom away from you and give it to another, someone whom I love. And he sent uh, Samuel the prophet to Bethlehem to visit the home of a man named Jesse who had eight sons. And he said to, to the prophet Samuel, he says, one of these eight sons is going to be the anointed king. And so old Samuel shows up to Jesse and says, I need to see your sons. And Samuel and Jesse pulls out his first son, the oldest son. And uh, Samuel's like, oh, that's got to be, look at him. He definitely looks like a king. And the Lord speaks to Samuel and says, stop yourself. What do you think you're doing? That's not the one. And he, he makes the statement he says to Samuel, people do not see what the Lord sees because people see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. And there was something that, that God saw in Leah's heart that he decided that, that he was going to favor her. And so if you look at chapter 29 in verse 31, very closely with me, please look at this. It says, when the Lord saw that Leah was neglected, he opened her womb. Here's what you're gonna find in these stories. You're gonna find the Lord seeing, and you're gonna find the Lord listening, and then you're gonna find the Lord remembers. He sees, he listens, and he remembers because there are some of you who are here this morning and you're like, I'm lonely. I'm struggling. I feel like I'm not being heard. I'm wondering, what is God doing? And I want you to look to Leah and I want you to be reminded of God's promise to us. The Lord saw Leah was neglected, but no one else saw he did. And he opened up her room, but Rachel was unable to conceive. Leah, in many ways, if you recall, in this moment, she was sort of like Hagar, right? Remember when, when Sarah offered the concubine or her servant Hagar to uh, Abraham and said, well, here, I can't have kids, have a child with, with my servant, and, and she became pregnant, and then Sarah just turned against her and made her life miserable, and she went out fleeing, just running away. And as she was running away by herself, rejected, neglected, ridiculed by Sarah, the Lord met her and said, you need to go back. I've got a blessing for you. And at that moment, Hagar called the Lord El Roy, the God who sees. And here we have the same thing happening to Leah, rejected and neglected. And, and the Lord who sees Elroy, he blesses her womb. And then she begins to bear children. Now what we're going to read is the first four sons that Leah conceives and gives birth for Jacob. And for each son, there was a special name that is attributed to them. And so follow along around verse 32 of chapter 29. Leah conceived and gave birth to a son and, and named him Reuben. For she said, the Lord has seen my affliction. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again and gave birth to a son and said, the Lord heard that I am neglected and he has given me a son also. And so she named him Simeon. And again, she conceived and gave birth to a son, verse 34, and she said, at last, my husband will become attached to me because I have borne for him three sons. And therefore, she named him Levi. And then, and this is very important, verse 35. She conceived again and gave birth to a son. And she said, this time, I will praise the Lord. This time. I will praise the Lord. And she named him Judah. And then Leah stopped conceiving. Four sons. After the birth of each son, Leah gives praise to God. And then she gives the name to the son to remind everyone of her difficulty and her neglect and her isolation and her ridicule. The first three boys are named in response to everything that has happened between her and her husband, Jacob. The names that she gives tells of her faith, but they also tell of the pain that has been piled up in her heart. Reuben, because the Lord has seen my affliction. Simeon, because the Lord has heard how much my husband hates me. Levi. Finally, my husband won't be able to leave me because I have given him three sons. Three sons, all gifts from the Lord because he saw Leah in her neglect and in her rejection. But then I find it so fascinating that the Lord gave her the fourth son. And this time when Leah gave birth to Judah, she did not name him accordingly to her problems with her marriage. She did not recall any of her pain or neglect. She simply gave birth to Judah and said, I'm just gonna give praise to the Lord. I'm just gonna praise him. This child has nothing to do with me and my pain or my neglect or my ridicule or my... I just wanna give praise to the Lord. And my friends, please remember that Judah, Judah would be the one would bear the seed of the promise no judah no david no david no jesus no jesus we will be sitting out here in the sun (laughs) judah and she gave praise to the lord and so now as we move into the next chapter i'm just going to highlight this we've got god seeing and God hearing but we also have God remembering our God remembers his covenant promises that he made to us now I'm going to go through this quickly because chapter 30 is when the soap opera happens I mean maybe we should title Genesis chapter 30 the real housewives of Jacob <laughs> or 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 maybe if it's a whole series we're going to call it baby wars because all of a sudden, it's boom, 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 and there's just baby after baby after baby after baby. And so chapter 30, um, beginning in verse 1, when Rachel saw that she was not bearing uh, Jacob any children, she envied her sister. Now, again, I'm not trying to totally discount Rachel, but Rachel's a brat. I just I'm just going to be honest with you. She is not praising God for her sister, her unloved sister. She's not glorifying all of these nephews that uh, she has running around. No, no, she's angry and she's mad and she is envious as Moses records. And so she says to her husband, give me sons or I will die. That's a bit of an exaggeration. And Jacob became angry with her. I think the honeymoon's over. And he says, am I God? Am I in the place of God? He is the one who has withheld offspring from you. I haven't done anything. And so what happens is, like Sarah, Rachel gives her servant to Jacob, And Bilhah sleeps with Jacob and conceives and bears a son. And Rachel names him Dan because she says, see, God has vindicated me. And Bilhah then sleeps again with Jacob and they have another son. And Rachel names him Naphtali, which means I wrestled with my sister and I have won. That's so much just praising God, right? Yes. Yes. Now I have sons too, and I'm beautiful, and he loves me more, and I have kids too, and so I have contested with my sister, and I have one. <laughs> to which Leah is thinking, oh, okay, you can play at this game. I got a servant too. Here, Jacob, take Zilpah. And Zilpah sleeps with Jacob and conceives a son, and Leah names him Gad, meaning, <laughs> I've got some pretty good fortune. One more time, another son, and... Uh, Leah names him Asher because she says, finally, finally women are calling me happy. There's some grace in that, is there not? Now, I have no idea what Jacob's dealing, how Jacob's dealing with all of this. I mean, Moses gives us no indication of what Jacob's response to all of this is. Maybe he was very excited about it all. I don't know how he's dealing with the family feud. All I know is now he's got eight sons. And then something very interesting happens in chapter 30, verse 14. Let me just read this for you. This is years later. And Reuben, the oldest son, he's out gathering uh, during the wheat harvest, and he finds something incredibly special uh, for uh, anyone who lived in that area. And it was this plant called a mandrake. And there, there was something that was a superstition that was attached to the plants, just key on the word mandrake, and you'll get it. And, uh, and it was thought to be uh, produce fertility for a woman. And if you ate it, then apparently then you'd be fertile and and so Reuben finds this and brings it to his mom Leah and that's an amazing gift but then Rachel sees it and she says please give me some of your son's mandrakes and Leah says isn't it enough that you have taken my husband now you want to take my son's mandrakes as well to which Rachel says okay here's the deal because at this point just be honest Rachel's in charge of the bedroom and uh, so Rachel says, he can sleep with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes. So when Jacob comes home from the field that evening, Leah goes out to meet him and says, hey, you got to come sleep with me because I've hired you with my son's mandrakes. And uh, so Jacob slept with her that night. And verse 17, please follow along. God listened to Leah. And we have it again. He's the God who sees anyone who calls upon him in their distress. He's the God who hears anyone who pleads with them in their sorrow, in their pain. God listened to Leah and she, he opened up her womb for a fifth time and bore a son. And Leah said, God has rewarded me for giving me my, my slave to my husband. And so she named this fifth son Issachar. And again, she conceived a sixth son. God has given me a good gift. She said, this time my husband will honor me because I have borne him six sons for him, and she named him Zebulun. And then, verse twenty-one, later she finally gave birth to a precious daughter named Dinah. We'll see a really difficult story about Dinah here in a minute, uh, in a few weeks. Um, but remember, Dinah, this precious only daughter of uh, of the family, and 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 I, I want you just pause and, and remember the statement that she makes where she says that finally my husband will honor me just kind of hold that in place just for a minute if you would so god he just continues to hear the pleading from leah's heart and bless leah and and now eight sons have been given and now more sons have been given and you will think maybe this is the end of the story but when we get to verse 22 of chapter 30 i find this so much attributed to the mercy of god because it says then god remembered rachel and i don't know finally if rachel just felt humiliated because you know in this society if you couldn't bear children you were shamed i don't know what happened but but At this point, finally, God says, it's time, Rachel. And and he listened to her and he opened her womb and she conceived and bore a son. And she said, finally, God has taken away my disgrace. And she named him Joseph. And and I kind of wish that she would maybe have given him a stronger name and praise to God. But basically the name she gave to Joseph was, now give me another. I want another son. Yeah, not not the most affectionate name. And interestingly enough, God would give her another son. And on their way back to Canaan land, um, she would go into labor with this son and she would die. And it would be the result of her death, this other son that she asked for. And as she is giving birth to her other son, would be the last son of Jacob. In her dying breath, she doesn't praise God. She curses the song, to which later Jacob had to rename him. And so she actually suffers the consequences of her own desires. It's fascinating to me. And what, And what, what, what's fascinating is the bigger picture because what God is doing through all of this, he's established building a nation that he promised Abraham throughout this family feud. And, and once um, Rachel gives birth to Joseph, in that moment, then Jacob realizes, okay, it is finally now time to go. And, and Jacob, he meets with Laban and he says, um, uh, it's time for me to take my family and all that belongs to us, and it's time for us to leave. It had been 20 years since Jacob showed up in Laban's house. 20 years. And so he goes to Uncle Laban, and he says, I'm out. I'm going to take my wives, I'm going to take all my kids, and I'm going to leave. And Laban says, Whoa, wait a minute, Jacob. Hold on. Where are you going? He's like, I'm leaving. I made a promise to my mom, I'm gonna go back home, I'm gonna see her, I'm gonna show her all my family, I'm out, and he says, now come on. And then Laban, you know, he wants to do business, what, what would it take for you to stay a little while longer? And Jacob basically says, all right, listen, I've been working for you, laboring for you, and God has blessed you as a result. Which to Laban, Laban says, I know, I agree, I actually went and saw a mystic not too long ago, And through divination, I realized that the only reason why I'm so wealthy is because of you. So why don't you hang around a little bit while longer? And and he says, I will, but now that I've worked for my wives and my family, I'm gonna work for some sheep and some goats. So here's what we're gonna do. You take this massive herd, this massive flock of goats and sheep, and you take all the best ones, all the ones that are beautiful in their coats, beautiful black coats of the goats and the white, uh, coats of the sheep. They're all yours. Any of the mottled and speckled ones, anyone with spots or stripes, you know, kind of the throwaway ones, you set them aside for me. And Here's what we'll do. I'm going to work for you for a while. I'll increase your flock, but any of these other animals that just kind of the throwaways, you set aside for me and eventually I'll take them and go to which Laban was like, yes, good deal. I mean, Laban's thinking this is fantastic for me. I'm going to get all the best of the flock. And so he quickly tells his sons, okay, quickly separate them all. Give us all the good ones. Separate the bad ones. Put a huge distance between us. And then whenever it's time, let him go. But what happens is, if you look at verse 37 of chapter 30, uh, Jacob, who's also a trickster, is now going to play the trick on Uncle Laban. Jacob took branches of fresh poplar, almond, and plain wood and peeled back the bark exposing white stripes on the branches and he set the peeled branches in the troughs in front of the sheep in the water channels where the sheep came to drink and the sheep bred whenever they would come to drink and the flocks would breed right in front of the branches and uh, bore streaks, speckled, and spotted young. So Jacob sets up this scenario where he's going to make sure that the sheep and the goats, when they come to get some water, and he's got this mm, sort of this weird mystical display of roots and branches that really doesn't mean anything because God's doing all this. And uh, they're going to breed, and then Jacob's going to take the stronger ones, breed them. Of course, they're creating streaked and spotted animals separate them. And then whenever the the weaker ones show up and they've got the pure coats, he's like, take away his stuff, let them breed. So the weak ones. And so after a few years, Laban's got a really weak, limited flock and Jacob's got this tremendously glorious, wealthy flock of sheep and goats. Because whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob placed the branches and the jaws in front of them and then in verse 22, the weaker ones go to Laban. So it turned out that the weak sheep belonged to Laban and the stronger ones to Jacob. And the man became very rich and he had many flocks and servants and camels and donkeys. And God was keeping his covenant promise that he made to Abraham and to Isaac and now to Jacob. The covenant blessings, people, possessions, protection, perseverance. The same covenant blessings that he gives to us as the church. People, a world full of believers, possessions, the kingdom of of God is ours. Protection, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Perseverance, all who endure to the end will be saved. The same promises in the new covenant are the promises he gave in the Old Covenant. And we're seeing this take place despite the envy and despite the ridiculousness of what's happening in the family. God is keeping his promise. And God blessed Jacob. I mean, despite the fact that Jacob has got some real marriage issues and Jacob's got some serious husbandry issues, right? I mean, so at this point in time, we've got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We've got no model husband. Like, I just, there's, there's just no book about how to be a good husband, a godly husband, thus far in the book of Genesis. No. We needed someone greater than Jacob. And, and men, if you're, if you're married, I want you to know, you're no better than Jacob. But you need someone greater than Jacob to look to as a model of how to love your wife unconditionally. You need someone who's better than Jacob to know what it means to love without expectation, just to give unselfishly and lead and serve. That's why Paul instructs husbands to love our wives just as Christ loves his church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Now now remember, you never read it this way. Husbands love your wives just as Jacob loved Rachel. You've never read it that way. No, you love your wives the way that Christ loved his church and he gave himself up for her. Now, I know that Jacob loved Rachel and he labored for her and he loved her. And and I think in that sense, there's honor. But friends, God loved Leah. Leah and God remembered her, and God favored her, and in that there's grace. Rachel would bear Jacob his favorite son, Joseph, and Jacob would unfortunately do the same thing with with Joseph as he did with Rachel. He would set him apart from all the other brothers, and he would cause another family feud, and we're gonna get to that very soon. But remember, Leah would become the mother of the high priest of Israel. Leah would become the mother of Israel's kings. And as Moses wrote this, he must have been thinking, I'm Leah, I'm team Leah. I'm a Levite, I'm a prophet, I come from Leah. And of course, Leah gave birth to Judah, the lion whose scepter would never depart. And then Judah would eventually give birth and bear a son who had God's own heart named David and from David would come Jesus. And I remember I told you to hold on to something about Leah being honored. Like I said, Rachel would die in childbirth and curse her son as she perished. But when Leah died, listen, Jacob took the body of Leah and brought it to the cave of Monre, the cave that Abraham purchased, where he would be buried along with Sarah And Isaac was buried there along with Rebekah. And Leah, her dead body was laying in the tomb of the patriarchs. And when Jacob died, he said, you bury me along with Leah. And if he couldn't honor her in life, he decided that I will honor her in death. When you feel neglected, feel rejected, maybe you feel forgotten, give praise to God. Because God is the God who sees you. No matter what you're going through, he sees. God is the God who listens to you. See, part of the problem, friends, is you're just not crying out to God enough. How do you expect God to respond? You're not even praying. You're not even pleading. turn our attention to the lord's table i want to suggest to you that jesus is the same jesus is the lord who sees and jesus is the lord who listens and jesus is the lord who remembers because when jesus was on earth when he looked over israel he saw its lostness and he wept and he was broken over the lostness of Israel. he saw it and whenever someone would, would, would cry out to God and Jesus would meet women like at a well and, 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 and other women who had been prostitutes and, and broken men, he listened to them and he responded to them. And ultimately, Jesus remembered God's prominent covenant promise that he made to them. So he went to the cross to suffer in our place to provide the forgiveness that we needed from our sin and to bring us into a right relationship with God. Jesus sees and he hears and he remembers. That's why he went to the cross for us. And I just simply want our response to be this. Just as Leah responded by giving praise to God, I'm gonna leave you with 1 Thessalonians 5:16. Rejoice always. Pray constantly, give thanks in everything for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Friend, when you feel neglected, rejoice always. When you feel unheard, pray constantly. And when you feel alone, give thanks in everything for this is God's will for you.